This is Big Man Tyrone, and you're about to watch the MTG Cabal cast with your hosts, Wode, Thirsty, and Reptar. Sub to us on all your podcast networks at MTG Cabal cast and YouTube. All right, guys, welcome to the newest episode of the Cabal cast. Uh, this week, we have part one of another two-parter for you. Somewhat inspired by one James Chilcott in his tweet, which has since been lost to the ether of the internet, uh, where he said, I guess we're in the portion of the reserveless spike where we just buy everything out. So what we started doing was taking a look at the reserveless spike of 2018, uh-huh. uh, comparing it to what spiked here in 2020, and what conclusions we've come to. Yeah. So basic rundown here, we're going to get into what happened in 2018, similar to our history of the reserveless talk. Uh, start with the origins, when this first happened, what led to it, give some examples of stuff that happened back then, and some parallels to today. Mm-hmm. And then next week, we'll have even more information on a separate part of what we're referring to as the annual reserveless summer. Yep. So 2018 was an interesting year, and it basically started out with a giant spike in cryptocurrency. And so what we have here is actually the price trend for Bitcoin in particular, which spiked in December to about $15,000 per coin. And you can see crash immediately afterwards as everybody exits the market, holds for about seven to nine K. And then, you know, we are where we are right now. It hit sawtooth for a little bit. So that money went all over the place. And it's not hard to kind of track back the fact that BTC affected the magic market because a lot of people were very vocal about what they were doing. Yeah. In 2018, it took a little while to happen, but in the summer, shortly after the release of Dominaria, is when we saw our largest spike in the reserve list that year. And we saw it across a number of cards for a number of different reasons, and across certain versions and not others. Reported back from that year, uh, a lot of things happened around GP Vegas, There is a Reddit thread that is also a million miles down about a person that cashed out of Bitcoin earlier in the year and then went and attempted to buy. And I don't know if they were 100% successful or if they just didn't buy as many as they wanted to alpha, beta, and unlimited duels. And this person was very forthcoming with what they were doing. And there are a number of similar threads on Reddit. But that didn't just put pressure on iconic cards on the reserve list. It put pressure on the entire reserve list. And so we saw in 2018 what we're seeing now, but to a much lesser extent. So we have that immediate driver. And so if we want to take a look at things, the first thing we want to look at is actually something like Underground Sea. So Underground Sea is a very iconic card. It, one of the original duels. It's played in a number of formats. You know, EDH, Legacy, Vintage, Old School. It sees a bump in 2018, right after Dominaria. It tro- it sorry, it troughs, it drops, and then it's on the upswing, upswing right now. So this is a card that was spiked kind of appropriately, and yeah, it's going to hold and it's going to go up. This is a piece of you know uh, iconic it- magic paraphernalia, essentially. And it's very playable, and it's very liquid because of how widespread its use is. You mm-hmm. know, something we've been harping on for a while now, especially is one of the formats that's continually firing, is EDH. Yes. You want your dual lands for EDH? There you go. Yep. And because of how liquid it is, that makes it a pretty safe place to park money. Something that 
is still liquid, but not nearly as sought after, and we found quite interesting was something like an Unlimited Lotus. Unlimited Lotus didn't actually spike as one would have expected during this time. It did eventually crest past $10,000 uh, in, I think, in early 2019, as we can see in the graph. But when you look at 2018, it just kind of hovers around six and a half. And we see this trough in the, the price chart because it just emptied from TCG Player. It's not up there. This is not a car that's really going to go up yeah. there. So when it spikes back up, that's it being relisted. And so we see it kind of be solid. What we actually saw instead happen with Lotus was the Beta Lotus. Beta Lotus actually just disappears from the market entirely. And when it comes back in 2019, it triples in price. So this is a card that kind of spiked outside of the that market. It was moving on Facebook. It was moving uh, through Discord. It was moving basically in ways where you can look at it and assure yourself that you're getting what you're paying that much for. Yeah. And we talked about this much earlier on in the cast where beta is the kind of player set compared to alpha being the collector set. But there's just not a lot of alpha Lodi out there. And if people are looking to park money or cash out, they're going to take not what they can, but something that's collectible and kind of still liquid. And a Beta Lotus is liquid. Not necessarily as liquid as an Unlimited due to the, the price point, but it is slabbable in almost any condition, and that's going to add a premium. It's also liquid to a different group of people. The thing that's worth noting when you're selling an Unlimited Lotus compared to like a Beta Lotus. Uh, when you're selling an Unlimited Lotus, you're selling to a mass market. You know, you're selling to people that need power for vintage, mm -hmm. people that collect, whatever. Once you get to the price point of a Beta Lotus, you're selling to a legitimate collector who's going to be respectful of your time and respectful of their own, generally yes. speaking. Mm -hmm. So they're going to be like, look, can I see this Beta Lotus? Great. Cool. Um, in that case, it looks good. Here's the deal. Yes. Done. Uh, it's someone who's going to get that card and sit on it. Mm -hmm. They're looking at it more as an investment, whereas with an Unlimited Lotus, you do have those people. But primarily, it's going to be people that want it to play with or want to own power or something like that. Yeah. You see more people rolling down from beta to an Unlimited now than Unlimited up to beta, and a lot of that has to do with price and what stopping. And they're done with the collection, but they still want to own power. Yeah. There are people that do roll up. Andrea Manguchi posted a couple of weeks ago. I think either he just finished his beta set or an alpha set of power and was extremely happy with it. And he's a person that's been rolling up over time because that's what he wants. He wants to be that kind of collector. A lot of yeah. people at this point roll back down because they want that cash. They want that liquidity to move somewhere else because unless you are just willing to sit on it for a while, let it accrue value and then sell it off again, you want to recoup something so you can take that money and make it earn for you again. Yeah, that, that's a lot of that value, too. And it makes it kind of interesting because it's okay. The Unlimited doesn't spike like we expect it to, and that's playable in vintage and old school. Well, then what happens with something like Yawgmoth's Will, which spikes in 2018 as well, dips a little bit, but then comes roaring back up. But the floor was reset at almost two and a half times what it used to be. So this is an, another interesting kind of trend that we saw with a lot of these cards in 2018, where this is another iconic card. And that's kind of what happens. A lot of these iconic cards that were a little more liquid because of the price point and easier to move around, people were would you know pick up as they could and shuffle them around as expected. It doesn't take a lot of time to, to move a Lotus, but it's a lot harder to move the, the needle on a Lotus unless a lot of people are moving in on a Lotus. Yeah. And with the BTC cash out, 
yeah, a lot of people could have moved into a Lotus, but for a lot of people, it opened up other doors to pay off other things before they moved into Magic itself. Yeah. So this and, is... and I think on the vendor side, the interesting thing was you started to see vendors pay in Bitcoin, like Abu, yes. which I think still does. Uh, and they, when you would go to a booth and they would offer Bitcoin, it was interesting because they would only offer it for lower-end items. Uh, unless you specifically requested, like, hey, I'm looking to move this Lotus, but I only want Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you just came in with like a 40k collection of like modern staples, they were like, here's your cash. We don't really want to handle that. So the the Bitcoin cash out, from what I saw, it was people looking to move in to pay other stuff Mm -hmm. and people who are looking to invest rather than flip. Uh So that's why you saw stuff with power start to trickle up. And I remember anecdotally back then I bought a Lotus from... uh, Roland Chang for 3k mm-hmm. and then a couple months later sold it for five yep so yeah and it creates this kind of interesting paradigm when you look across everything in 20, 2018 because like we said the the Bitcoin cash out much like what's going on now did raise the floor on everything across the reserve list but you have this interesting paradigm where some things held some things didn't and some didn't really move at all or as much as you would have expected to for the more forward-facing or liquid versions in uh something like uh power or some of the p3k stuff that went as well as part of a a reserve list uh movement and it created this run that it started it it wasn't the start of fomo buying but you saw a ton of it uh yeah we were joking about earlier like there was opportunity to move into cards like hatred which yes are edh cards but a card like hatred isn't something that should spike like we saw uh not too long ago and hold that much because it does it one thing and it does it beautifully and that is just kill one person real quick in edh you just side merc. When hatred spiked, one of the guys in the cabal is in Europe, and I did arbitrage from MKM and bought about 350 copies for 700 bucks. Yeah. Uh, after buy list hit like twenty dollars, fifteen to twenty, I just dumped them all the channel fireball and a couple other vendors. So I didn't expect it to stick. I thought here's a low hanging reserve list fruit mm-hmm. that seems to be pretty EDH playable in one deck and one deck only, and that's Skithrix. Uh, which, as you said, is good at shotgunning one person. Yep. And here we are, evidently, that was an instance of throwback to a prior episode, price correction rather than price manipulation. Yes. And so we saw an uptick slowly over time with Hatred. I brought up the price price graph. You can see it did spike a little bit, and then it just kind of rolls back down towards 14 from 20. And that's a spike that we didn't expect to hold. We didn't expect something like Hatred that... Yeah, it was iconic when it was in standard because it did the exact same thing. It does an EDH, but is much more narrow now and kind of behind the scenes compared to a card like a Berserk, which didn't see much movement at all, despite the fact that it was a, a legacy. I don't want to call it a staple, but a highly played card in legacy until very recently. Yeah. And there, as I was going back to before this, it created this kind of like, FOMO wave of buying where people felt it was okay to pay whatever inflated price was being asked on something like Wall of Kelp. Like, sure, Arcades was in Dominaria, and we've referenced these two cards 
I don't know how many times at this point, so I, I don't want to bring them up. But a wall that makes more, more walls and draws, thus drawing you one card a turn is not worth the $15 price tag that was put on it immediately. But people were paying that. And yep. it was this FOMO thing, and it was, okay, well, what can the reserve list really handle? Can it's, can it be floated like this forever? Is is anything going to stop? What's real? What isn't in 2018? And it took time to figure out. And it was interesting because there was, you know, we've got a playability spike. We've got a collectible spike. And mm -hmm. then another spike we identified from 2018, which again was more of a correction, was something like Yogmoth's Will. And the interesting thing about Yogg's Will in 2018 is not only did you see a spike from Reserveless, which it took a little bit for Yogg to actually see its price increase to like the $60, $70 range. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we leading up into the winter before 2018, it saw a little bit of an increase, and it wasn't until June that it actually stuck. At that same time, you also had an explosion of CEDH. Explosion. Yeah. Uh, there were more people playing CEDH. Yeah. And this is the type of thing that over time we saw was less spike and almost entirely just correction that happened to happen at the same time. And you look at historic numbers of EDH rec, which you can't find now, unfortunately, uh, and where they're at now. And Yogg Will is a lot more played than it used to be because you have more people getting into the format. And it had a little bit of vintage playability, though Storm hasn't been good in that format since shops, I guess. Paradox mm. Storm is a different story. Yeah, but there's it, mentor stuff where you can, you know, yeah. whale shenanigans. Um, but it, it's interesting to see that. And it's something that I identify as a real spike. Yeah. Or a real price correction. And what's the difference, you may be thinking? Well, to me, it's literally playability. Uh, you know, you look at a card like Elk and Lair. Oh, okay. Yeah, you that <laughs> that card is an enchant world from Visions. I can't imagine it's good. It's a red enchantment with too much text, which means it should be worth money because casuals. But then you look at the spike. It's back to where it was when the spike happened, which granted a spike to $3. That card's not very playable. And this is one of the subtle things about MTG Finance is you may like the card, you mm -hmm. may want to play the card, but that doesn't make it playable. Whereas Yogg's Will was an eminently playable card that we saw spike mm -hmm. because in addition to, you know, EDH explosion, well, we know this reserve list stuff is spiking, so we're going to buy this too and move into it. And that's when you had vendors paying $45, $50 and throwing it in a case for... 60-65 just to get the card in the case and flip it to have it. Yep. You gotta fill holes and if you know that that hole is going to churn you can pay 70% plus because you're, yep. you're you're in a position in the, on that weekend to take that 10% and somebody is okay leaving on the table. Yeah. Yeah. And just Absolutely. immediately move, 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 move. Yep. Uh, so something I, I looked up real quickly as you were talking about CEDH is that and this isn't really correlatory but 1v1 EDH hit on Moto in July yeah. of 2018, which did muck a little bit with uh, paper finance because it it emulates or emulated CDH a little CEDH a little yeah. bit, and they kind of pulled from one another for a while, where it was like the Brawl deck was the format, and then um, Flip Nissa was the format, and 
those kind of ruled the roost and definitely, you know, determined what required a price off the reserve list because if that format ever comes to paper, people want to be prepared. Or, yeah. in the case of something like Tiny Leaders and Oathbreaker, once the information starts getting out that this is a format people are playing it on Moto, the expectation is that, oh, this will be in paper and these cards now demand a price so we don't get hoisted. Or we can get out in front of this and just sell into FOMO and let anybody who hasn't repriced eat it on the back end kind of thing. And yep. we'll, we'll cannibalize them later as necessary. So there's... 2018 was an interesting year, and like we said, we're going to do a two-part series on this. And we brought up Alchem Layer as a card that we didn't, that we saw where the spike wasn't really real. The floor definitely did raise, and that's kind of where some people expected the reserve list to be at the end of 2018. But we've each identified a card on the reserve list that spiked in 2018, dropped, and we have an expectation for in 2020 based on what yep. we're seeing now. We picked it kind of a couple of weeks ago, so we were a little out ahead on on yours, uh, and yeah. mine's seen a little bit of traction, but uh, we want to touch on this as, as we head out and get ready for our next episode. But your card for this is... Uh, so mine that I think is, is a real spike is Humility. Bam. So if you look at 2018, it was sitting at about 16 bucks low, and then we hit a peak of $52.00 low now about a week two or three weeks ago i said hey free bonus pick humility the reserve list is starting to pick up these cards are starting to spike this is a very playable card it's a nightmare for people to deal with because of the rules interactions and layering and everything else but at the time it was still sitting at like 20 to 25 dollars low well since then we've hit 36 low and we're still climbing a mm -hmm. little bit so this is something that when it happened last time, the floor was raised a little bit because prior to that, you're seeing it at about $8, $10, and then we're at a 15 to $20 range. Yep. So even if this spike doesn't stick, this is an example of where the floor raises because people buy it up and yeah, you may buy five copies and get rid of some of them. But a lot of people only get rid of four thinking, well, this card may spike again, and I don't want to have to buy it again if mm -hmm. I ever want it. So that's where that is. Yep. Uh, and that's that's one that I think is, you know, obviously eminently playable and I think is very viable as a long-term floor-raising option. Oh, absolutely. Uh, every now and again, you do see humility in the sideboard of legacy decks. And so... Speaking of uh, you know eminent playability, at least in, in a constructed format, whether or not that wanes out of existence in paper, you know who knows. There will be star stalwarts that keep it around, but that is another uh, avenue for demand, which is always something yeah. interesting to to keep in the back pocket. My my card is similar, and uh, I, I think it's a little more interesting because it does have a little more history in regards to price movement as the reserve list moves, and it is uh, Feldegriff. Now, Feldegriff has actually seen several spikes uh, in the past couple of years. The, oh, yes. Yeah, the earliest one taking it from you know a $2 card to a $5 card around EMA release. And then in 2018, it went all the way up to 15 but has slowly come back down to about a 6 or $7 card, and now it's on the way back up. And I didn't quite understand why it never picked up ever because this is a fairly popular general in edh it is the pillow fort commander it was the first one 
Yeah. I don't know if it's still the most popular with with Tristani's out there, but it is a fairly I don't iconic's an odd word to use about this card, but it really is. It uh, is, yeah. It is for a fairly, older players. Yeah. And there's questing Feldegriff from Plain Chase. No, uh, Shift, the spirally Plain one shift. from Invasion. Yeah. From Invasion Block, right? So they they reference it every decade and a half. And what or I found, do. yeah. And what I found interesting was, as everything else on the reserve list was going up, and at this incredible slope, Feldergriff was just kind of lagging behind. And all of a sudden, it popped up on stocks one day, and I was like, there's no way this card has an actual value. And the reason I picked it is because it didn't. It, it got There was a little bit of manipulation that eventually moved people into buy it. So right now, we can see the market's $10, and the average is fourteen seventy-five for this card. Well, when you actually jump over to TCG Player and you fil filter for LP and near mint, you can buy a fairly large number of copies for below what's being reported as the market and the average. So to kind of get this card moving, we saw a little bit of manipulation happen first, and now people are moving into it. And I think this might be the time that this card actually just goes and stays gone in regards to price. Uh, if, if we hit $15 in the next couple of weeks, I wouldn't be surprised. I doubt this card goes for much more than 20 25 in the long run because there are other Pillow Fort Generals to move in on. It's uh, kind of unique at what it does and the fact that it like, gives your opponents everything. They get, they get tokens, they gain life, etc. It's just this kind of you know niche thing. And when you flop down a Feldgriff, people know you're going to be slow and steady but you're going to give a lot to the table so people don't politic you too much until you get to the mid and end game. Yeah, when you can exactly, when you can pick up speed. But I think it's a this, dumb strategy, don't do it. You're good at coming in second, you're supposed to win. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Unless you're playing for points and then at which at which point a consistent second is fine. You're not spiky. Yeah. But I think this is just the time it goes and like I said, it doesn't come back because we are narrowing very quickly on the number of uh LP and Yermin copies that exist in the open market. And when you uh, free it up, there are only 24, 24 non-LP or Yermin copies of this card left on TCG Player, and the majority of them are MP. So in time, this card is going to become difficult to find at LP or better. And there's a chance that if people start slapping this card in the near future, that's also going to raise the price on. But it's going to put more pressure on LP and Yermin that jump into the market because they will be bought out for the opportunity to be bought and slapped for whatever price increase comes with it. So that's that. We also had a bit of a conversation that we wanted to talk about cards that are currently spiking and we think are going to fall like they did in 2018. What's your goofy one? So smile. I, I say this as someone who just made a shit ton of money on this card. Uh, Grim Feast. This card's not real. It's fake. It's a meme. It does a unique thing that other cards do better, more efficiently, etc. Uh, in 2018, it spiked from a low of like a quarter uh, all the way to $2.50, around three, somewhere in there. Uh, at this point, I was picking up every copy I could that... Yep player or shops had listed at four or more for less than a dollar i was picking them up on card sphere i was doing all kinds of stuff and then eventually it hit three dollars and i was like oh well that's neat and then you saw it sank right back down to where it was about 50 cents uh well last week it hit a low of ten dollars come on people yeah no this card's bad this card is bad and 
so I sold a bunch for five dollars each, and you know, sold them all. Yeah, there, why there's not? There's a there, there's a tweet about it. Um, this is a card that is not playable. It's I'm playable. Sure, someone can play it, and people will, but it's not a playable card. In the vein of like a Yagmoth will or a Doran or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, this is how I'm thinking about like this card. This isn't real. The spike isn't going to stick. It may go up to 75 cents after all is said and done. Stay away. This is a FOMO card. When we talk about FOMO, this is where it happens. It happens after the real cards spike. When the real cards that are appropriate to increase in price because supply is dwindling and player demand is increasing, you see stuff like Grim Feast. It's not real. Don't do it. Nope. Uh, mine is similar, uh, but it's a, a large grouping of cards, and it is all the terrible legends from Legends. Now, not all of them have increased in price. Uh, things like Stang, I'll bring up in a moment, has not really saw an uptick, but something like Jacques Lever has. Jacques Lever is a 3-2 for 1 and a Nea, and it gives all of your green creatures plus 0, plus 2. Outstanding outstanding and you can see on the price graph it, it spiked in uh, 2016 it spiked in 2018 it didn't come tumbling back down but it fell hard from uh, a high of almost $30 and we're creeping back up that way not a card this is not a card I expect to stick around nor any of the rest of them the moment Stang and some of the other legends go that have almost no relevant text to them. That's when you know we're basically at the dregs of the reserve list, and you can expect within a couple of months for things to come back down. Uh, there's a lot of text on Stang. If you can't read it, I'm sorry about that. It's a three four for four a green and a red. That makes another another copy of Stang that is non-legendary essentially. It's another three four token, and if Stang proper leaves play, the token goes as well. That's it. That's all the does. best part about this is it was just printed in Masters 25 because it's not reserveless, but you still see it spike when this stuff happens. Mm-hmm. Because it's one of those like tertiary spikes that, oh, well, there's a bunch of cards in Legends spiking. They must be spiking because they're in Legends. Yes. Rather than they're spiking because they're reserveless. Cue FOMO. Here we are. Uh, it's not... Not deck on a black bait. There's, there's a Boris Devil Boon is another good example. The first card I ever ordered from a non-LGS, I ordered from a Scry magazine. Yep. I called them up and ordered it. Yep. So this is so we can put Boris up there alongside Jacques Lever. This card is so bad. Three black red for a two-two with an ability that says two black red. Put a minor demon token into play. Treat this token as a one-one red and black creature. You read that right. Seven mana for three power and three toughness. And we're currently All time creeping high over price, 20. July 27th, 2018. <sighs> yep. It's down here, just a little below the fold if you didn't see it before. Neither Jacques, nor Boris, nor the other legends, reprinted or not, that are or are or will be spiking that effectively do nothing or are just insanely overpriced are cards that we expect to be you know quote unquote live after this 2020 spike they will effectively represent the floor of what's going on and at the end of the day i think that's kind of the expectation that we really have about this 
you know, the, the summation that we have about what's going on in 2020 is that it's going to mirror 2018. And yep. to give a little more insight into that, we're going to cover that in our next episode, which will be coming out next week. Uh, that's where we'll actually get the full set of picks. And once that episode goes up, we'll make a, a playlist on YouTube. So you can just, you know, back to back them if you want. Back to back. Yeah. yeah. And then this will basically live in our playlist forever next to all of our other reserve list episodes because it requires more than one episode to talk about the reserve list and more than 120 or 240 characters to do so as well. So until then, we are, we are <clears throat> excuse me, at MTG Cabalcast on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Patreon, uh, Stitcher, Spotify. Apple Podcasts? Yep, Apple Podcasts. There I don't you go. do Apple, so. Oh, Apple Podcasts. Uh, other than that, I am at Halt I am Reptar on Twitter, and you can be found at Thirsty Sizzler. And we'll see you guys next week.